BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Today we pick up where we left off Friday with my guest, Archbishop and Exorcist Plato Angelakis. Let's get right to it. Please enjoy part two of our conversation. I have a listener-submitted question, and I'm guessing I already know where this might, uh, or what you might uh, have to say about this, but I just want to say it, ask you in the way that they put it down. They ask, why does it only ever seem to be folks who are or have been religious who get possessed? Well, because people who are not religious, the devil doesn't care. They they kind of already got them. Why would you waste time on someone who's already committed adultery and, you know, embezzling money at work, or doesn't go to church, doesn't pray uh, to the living God, doesn't care, doesn't uh, spend quality time at home, you know, uh, doesn't only worry about making money, 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 whatever, whatever. It's okay to make money, but, you know, I mean, he's going to go after the people who are family-orientated, go to church, pray to the living God, ask for forgiveness, um, do good work. That's the people he wants. Why would he waste his energy on other people that, I'm not gonna, who don't care, who don't even believe, maybe. Don't believe in God, eh? He doesn't believe in God. Why should I bother? I've got him already. You know, so that is basically what it's all about. So I tell people, well, why am I always being tormented? Why, you know, uh, you know, I'm getting bad dreams, my strong attachment. I said, you should be rejoicing. You should be happy. That means he hasn't got you yet. <laughs> He's trying, but he hasn't got you. So keep fighting back. Save your soul. Do what you're going to do. And, and that's basically what it comes down to. It. That's my that's my intake on that. I got you. Uh, okay, okay. And uh, we talked a little bit about it. I think you mentioned it early on or uh, before we started recording. But you were talking about you know having a, a high success rate with helping people out of possession. 
what do you think, what are you doing differently that that is contributing to that? Because not every exorcist is going to be that successful, and, and each case is going to be a little different. Yeah, I, like I mentioned, for me, um, I'm very aggressive. Like, I mean, right now I'm a nice guy, or there we go. But I can tell you when I when I kneel down, I get ready to do my exorcism. Like, I'm, I turn into a, like a warrior, and I'm very aggressive. I yell, I'm bold. You know, I just I'm like I'm 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 mean. I'm just mean. <laughs> you know, and 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 I don't take no for an answer. Okay, and and to me, I go in with the idea in my head that, like I said, if God's one hundred percent, you're not going to say no to God. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about it, <laughs> because God's not like, well, you know, Plato, you, you know, you're not going in there with that kind of like. That boldness, I'm only 90%. God is not 90%. God is 100% or nothing. You're either going to use it or not. So it has to be a perfect. It's like a, like you know, if you're an accountant, why would you go to an accountant and say, well, you know, my success rate is I get my numbers right 80% of the time. You know, no, an accountant has to get it right 100% of the time because the numbers have to, they have to match at the end of the day. You've got to try it. You know, bank, you go to a bank, you know, and you say, well, you know, that's that's count the till. Well, we're short a hundred thousand dollars today. No big deal. It's Sunday, you know, uh, Monday. No, that doesn't happen. The bank, every dollar has to be, you know, the God's the same way. It's one hundred percent. Like you have to think from the perspective of, I'm actually calling God down and ordering God. Like like the priest, you have, you have to read sort of like books that really like. What is a priest? My job as an exorcist is to go in and, and take back your, the free will that was given to you that you've lost. Mm-hmm. Get it back to you because it's yours. Yeah. You know, you've lost your, your free will and now the devil's taking care of our control. I'm going in to get your free will back and give it back to you. And then after that, it's up to you. Kind of thing. The journey is yours. That's what I'm basically what I am um, as an exorcist. But as a priest and, and having the authority given of God to Christ and the apostles to me is the fact that what he's saying is, you know, like God gave his power to Christ and Christ gave it to us. When you look at it from that sort of theological perspective, it's not a, it's not a way of thinking arrogancy. It's saying is, you are now, you have the, the hands of God in your, at your possession. And he says, what is bond on earth is bond in heaven. In other words, you know, those things that you've forgiven will be forgiven. In other words, God's going to abide by what you say. And, and equally so, I can say, I'm taking that blessing away from you. I can do that. Or I'm not going to give you that forgiveness because I don't think you're, you're being sincere about your confession. We have that authority. So, you know, so if you're thinking around, if I'm really explaining myself, it's, it's like that is an extraordinary power and gift that's in my hands. Like, you know, they say at the Mass, a priest gives birth to, to, gives birth to Christ like Mary did each and every time at Mass, just like it happened in real. And when you bless the Eucharist, you know, that's what you're doing, right? And then when you, when you consume the Eucharist as a sacrifice in the Mass, in the Catholic Mass, um, you're basically crucifying Christ again, over again, for the, for, the, for the sins of the world and for the people in the congregation and whatnot. And that is, that's looked upon as, as if it happened all over again for real. But of course, it's, it's on the altar, right? So, you know, a priest, if the priest is more powerful than even Mary, because Mary gave birth once, but the priest gives birth 
by consecrating the, the, the Eucharist each every time he said pass. And every time I know, and the crucifixion was powerful 2,000 years ago, but it's being done at Mass each and every time. That's the power that the priest has given based on the the dogma and scriptures. So so that's the gift you're given. So knowing that I have that kind of power, I'm going to walk in and do an exorcism, that devil is gone. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I go in with that kind of mentality, like I can't lose. I've got God. If, if I lose, then who, who's left? You know you know what I mean? So it, it, like that's, it, 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 a lot of people go in as demonologists who are not ordained. They are demonologists. I'm a demonologist. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do a ritual. I'm going to do a spiritual thing. That's fine to a point. I think this is where Bishop Long is coming from. I think, you know, where, okay, you do this, but you're not ordained. You're not ordained by God to do it, you know, and the ritual, you know, and keep in mind, there are several rituals all over the world. I do the Roman ritual, which is Catholic, but the Greek Orthodox have their own ritual. The Jewish have their own ritual. The Muslims have their own ritual. They all do possession, like they do exorcisms, but they have their own rituals. I don't do the Muslim way. I don't do the Aramaic way. I don't do, you know, the the Greek Orthodox. I do it Catholically. So I use the actual Roman ritual. You know, that's what you see in the movie. There's people out there who are oh, demonologists. Well, okay, well, that's fine. And they go in there with the cross and they read their, they read their scripture. And some people actually read their same ritual that the Catholic priest would reach, but you're not ordained. That's what I think uh, Bishop Long is reaching out saying. There's some things you can do, but there's some things you shouldn't be dwelling in. doesn't belong in your realm. It belongs to the clergy. So you, that's why he tries to separate the clergy part. And that's why, that's why I say that you go in and do your gifts. Do your spiritual things, do your cards, do your, your crystal work, do your right, do whatever you need to do. When it comes to the ritual, okay, everybody back up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can help me with you can help me with stuff, but now it's it's my it's my show now. Yeah. And this where because because it is, it has to be. Because I'm using the power of God. And these or demonologists should not be calling upon God. You shouldn't be saying, you know, it's God who commands you, it's not I. You don't have that authority and it's very dangerous. It's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, but a lot of people just take it upon themselves to do it, and it's a very dangerous thing. Uh, a lot of bad things can happen, but I don't have that. Uh, like, I mean, I can hold Annabelle in my hands, got bare hands, and nothing happens. Yeah. I'm safe. Yeah. You know, other people have to use rubber gloves and then trench their hands in holy water and holy salt, they would, or, or they'd be in trouble. So why? Because my hands are anointed. My hands are anointed by God. You know, when I was a, when I was consecrated, I had holy oil put on my hands. My hands were anointed. So that doll is not gonna not gonna hurt me, you know, because I'm I'm representing God. Again, it's not taking it from an ego, egotistic, patriarchal sort of uh, approach. It's basically saying, you know, right now I'm a man. In five minutes, I'm gonna do an exorcism. I'm gonna change my demeanor. Where now I'm I'm harnessing God's authority, His power, and His words and His name, which holds power. You know, in the, you know, the name of Jesus is so powerful. In the name of Jesus, every knee will, will bend, and sure enough, it will. Every knee, you know, demonic, everything, everything in the universe will bend, it will, will kneel in the name of Jesus. That's how powerful that name is. That's why some people use that name, all, you know, the, I cast you in the name of Jesus, I cast you in the name of Jesus, and not really thinking about the fact that, you know, that's, that's a weapon. <laughs> you know, it's a good weapon. That's a powerful weapon. You're going to use God. And I, have, I have this beautiful horn. It's a, a Jewish Rabbi gave me this beautiful uh, uh, lamb's horn. It's a real horn, lamb's horn. And you know, that's what they blow. 
you know, in Jerusalem, you know, and they blow the horn um, and whatnot. And I had one. And they say when you blow it, you're actually calling God down with his chariots. So it's like, can you imagine that? that like, in, in that Jewish faith, and I've got the horn, when you blow the horn, it commands, it commands God to come down to do battle for you. So can you imagine the kind of authority that the divine has given us as human beings or as priests, you know, to be able to say, you know, they're calling me, I'm going down to do battle for Israel or for whoever. So if you start looking at it from that perspective, my record's clean. Mm -hmm. Every person I've done is clean. And I've got testimonies. Um, I did one uh, not too far, long ago. And I know I was compelled to lay my hands on this one young fellow who apparently is blind. Um, and and, and uh, his redness was detached. It was really bad. And uh, I just laid my hands, put my stole over him. And I said, you know, I'm going to heal you like God has given Jesus the healing authority. And I just took it from that approach. It's Jesus is going to heal you. And it was funny. The next day, we got a call for an appointment that... Uh, um, he's come in and get his red uh, reattached, and now he sees, he's only supposed to see one eye, now he sees both eyes, and now he's reading, and he's working. That wasn't me. That's God. I was just me using God's authority, so, like, oh my God, it's like, you know, of course, this guy's converted, he goes to church, it's like, that was such a transformation, I want you to see that kind of healing and that kind of authority. It's just the mindset, it's like, it's not me, it's, I'm using God's power, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to squander it, I'm not going to abuse it, going to use it with reverence, but I'm going to use it with, I'm going to use it. Remember like Moses, remember see, it's all Ten Commandments, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Charles the Heston, right? You know, he goes to the, the court of Pharaoh, he brings the staff, you know, he puts it down, it turns into a serpent, he eats the other serpent, blah, 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 blah. But it didn't, it didn't really accomplish anything, right? And Pharaoh had to, had to increase the tally of breaks and whatever. And of course, Moses said, you know, forgive me, Lord, for poor use of your power. For whatever reason, it didn't. It didn't have the effect of the, of the staff. It should have. It didn't convince Pharaoh to release the slaves. So you know, again, it's it's like you know, God forbid that I I would poorly use God's power, you know, to do that. So that's what I do. I go in there with 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 that authority, saying, okay, you know, I got that. I got God's full authority and power to use as I please. You know, I cast you out. You know, leave now. And Christ did this. I just walk away and say, you know, you know, leave him. Boom, gone. Mm -hmm. Just pointing his finger, gone. Simple. I mean, none of those rituals or whatever. He's one there, just gone. Yeah. Just gone. Yeah. What are we thinking? I don't know what he's doing. He's just gone. That's how I'm successful. Um, one other thing that I do that's a little bit different than other people. Some people say, open your windows and we'll do an exorcism and we'll cast, we'll cast them all out. They have to leave the house. Leave the house. Well, I don't like doing that because they leave and they're going on the road to the next vulnerable person. I pour salt outside the house and I work my way in. So I basically, at some point, I, I block the, I want the whole family there, the dogs, the cats, the hamsters, I don't care. Everybody's going to be there. Every member of the family that's involved will be there. And I work my way in. Now I have actually contained the evil and everything there with the people who are affected. Okay. Then I start working on the people. I've got Sister Kia who goes to and does her, her uh, you know, like kind of feel out where everything is. She'll tell you, okay, it's in this room, it's in this room, it's happened here, it's whatever. And I work my way in and do one room at a time to the point where I have everything cornered and it's gone. Because then it's gone, it goes down back to where it belongs or wherever it, wherever it came from. It does not leave the house. It doesn't leave with anybody. 
You know, it doesn't belong to anybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't leave the windows. Everybody is taken care of. I work on each and every member of the family. Now, mind you, this is a long process. It's not ongoing. Do half-hour job. This is a whole day event. Yeah. You know, at least, if not more. And then we do Reiki after that because that's where we, uh, Sister Kia does Reiki because it says there, you know, in the scripture, it says, you know, uh, the devil will leave somebody and if it finds that his home is still vacant, he meaning uh, the person who's going to exercise, if you, if you don't fill the empty space with something else, it will return with some of the worst demons than um, it left. This happened to me once. Because one person decided, it didn't, you know, I want it back. I want oh, my demon back. Wow. She actually wanted it back because it came back worse than ever. And I said, well, now I can't help you. I'm not helping you anymore. Because, you know, you want help. Now you, she felt empty. Like, like, like Stockholm syndrome, like you know, she said a demon for a long time. Now all of a sudden, she wants her back. But so this is what we, this is what uh, Kia, Kia does, and she, so after everybody's done, she'll work on the individual. So even now, do Reiki, realign their body and their energy, and, and fill the empty space with good things, mm-hmm. so that the demon cannot. When the demon comes back and finds that its space is no longer vacant, it's gone. So if I just come in and do an exorcism and leave, and, they don't, and the family doesn't go, back, do, go to church, read the Bible, and do this, whatever, don't change their errant ways, the demons will come back. It'll be worse than ever. So we want to make sure we're thorough. We go in, and after, after I'm done, Reiki, uh, she does a Reiki, and, and the, the people feel wonderful. They fall asleep, and then it's mellow, and they feel more fulfilled. I tell them, okay, now you go to church, you do this, start reading scripture with family, start carrying blessed objects, spread holy oil on the house. And of course, here are our prayers. I want you to continue reading going forward. You know, anytime you have um, a downtime, a, down, a bad day, read this and, you know, things get rejuvenated. It's, it's a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, until Christ returns to the new evil of the planet, it's a journey. It's not like me coming in like, Harry Potter and Wave My Wands and Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. It's done. Goodbye. See you later. No, it's me getting things started, giving you back your free will, and then teaching you and educating you to take that journey forward. And the journey is theirs. It's not mine. It's theirs to move forward. And it's up to them to fight for their salvation and their soul uh, going forward from there. You know? So. That's my approach. Okay, yeah, that's uh, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit different than than your regular, uh, you know, regular schmegular uh, exorcism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before we wrap today, uh, because we're we're getting up there, (laughs) we'll have to at some point, unfortunately. Um, I uh, I wanted to ask you about Mm -hmm. these books that you are currently in the process of writing. What are those about? Well, I, I'm trying to get two of them done. Um, well, one, one of them is basically just uh, some of the things that we talked about, some of the, the little different, the, the different approach of cleansing and exorcism, sort of like the, um, some of the rituals. Um, and then, of course, it's going to really focus on harnessing all the gifts that people have out there. Like I, I had spoke to you earlier about that mainstream churches, and that's not just Catholic, but Greek Orthodox, Anglican, you name it, not the Pentecostal, they put all this paranormal stuff, the crystal work, the Reiki, all that, and the tarot cards, and the the, the, the sensitives, and the, uh, the rescue mediums, and they put it under one umbrella, they just call it evil. <laughs> I say, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Where, where, you know, not necessarily it doesn't have to be, it, it can be evil, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is evil. But there are a lot of people out there that have wonderful gifts given by God, by the Creator, and I, I try to encourage them 
to harness that. So it's not just helping the client, but it's also helping those people who have received some gifts to encourage them to um, uh, embrace it, um, acknowledge it, embrace it, accept it, learn from it, grow from it, practice it, be good, proficient in it, and then help more people. That's the focus because in the Bible it says, you know, you will know me by my fruits. So the Holy Spirit says, you know, you'll know what is good and what is bad by my fruits. If it produces fruit, it's a good thing. If it doesn't produce fruit, then it's not from God. So a lot of these people have great gifts and they produce fruit. So it is from God. So I try to embrace that. So that's what that book will be focused on is the fact that, you know, trying to teach people that it's okay. It's okay. You know, provided that, of course, you know, you're doing it for the right intention. You're there to help the person, not benefit necessarily from them. I understand that there are people there who read tarot cards, you know, um, and they do readings for money. Well, you know, it's a single mom with maybe a couple kids, and she reads, she reads, because she's trying to support her family. That's fine. You know, again, God knows what's in your heart, and and you will be judged by what's in your heart. I am not the judge. So, again, it all depends on why you're doing what you're doing and and then what purpose. The other book that I want to write is basically, you know, I really am a strong believer on the, uh, the calling of the priesthood, or even of an exorcist, be specific, is it, um, it's a calling. And it's not like people just, well, I'm just going to join the priesthood, or I'm going to be a demonologist today because I feel like it. It's a calling. And from my experience with other clergy that I met, and just looking at my own life, some of the difficulties that I went through, uh, and some of the, like a lot of the doors got slammed in my face until the door that God wanted it open. In other words, he wanted wanted me to be a priest and a bishop, but he wanted me to be a bishop that direction. Because maybe if I was a priest in in the uh, in the, in the mainstream churches, I wouldn't be doing exorcism. I'd be doing I have a church and saying mass and doing my thing. He wanted me to do that. So, but that was a journey, and that journey starts from my parents leaving Greece, and they both have their own story. And it's funny how they had a choice to come to three different countries and certain things had occurred in history. And I'll get into the book. You know, uh, one thing led to another. Like my mom, I chose to go to Australia, Brazil, or Canada. Her mother said, her mother told her to come to Canada um, and whatnot. Uh, my dad, he was a sailor and a Greek ship. He was very young. I went to Australia. He was going to uh, jump off there, you know, and there was a, a, a plague or something. There was, a, there was an outbreak. So they and they they couldn't they couldn't dock the boat, so he couldn't get off of Australia. But it, my mother, if she had decided to go to Australia, that's when she would have met my dad. But she said, "No, my mother told her to go to Canada, not Australia." Here's my dad who wanted to get off of Australia, but couldn't because there was right. And then the next journey is, you know, he, and you know, he went to America, and uh, he apparently um, that didn't happen. He ended up going to Montreal, the next stop, and he decided this is where I'm going to get off, become. An immigrant, and um, so again, they met, and of course, it was the city of Montreal, you know, Quebec, and they just wasn't met, blah blah blah. So it just, if you look at like all the opportunities they could have, they could have met in Brazil, they could have met in Australia, they could have met in Greece, they could have met in Canada, and, and some of the things that that stopped them from not actually immigrating to those places for whatever you know, whatever happened, just you know, history or like the circumstance. They ended up in Canada, and of course, you know, that's where I, I, I was born, I grew up, I was taking me to a town, 
that you know uh, allow me to be to, to, to persist therapy. Of course, uh, I, I mean, in the book would be a lot of small particulars, but it, it just it goes to show that the divine hand was involved even before conception. I wasn't even born yet. My parents hadn't even met yet, but yet in God's divine hand was like, okay, these two have to meet, and they have to meet there. You know, so he stopped. He blocked. My dad here, he blocked my mother here, he blocked this, he blocked that. And then when I was born, he blocked a lot of my doors to get me down the right path, meet the right people. And, of course, you know, uh, how do I end up with NESPAR, working with NESPAR in the States? Well, because someone in Finland decided they want to do a documentary, he, he found my name online, he, he reached out to me. And next thing you know, I'm a member of, of the of the Warrens, you know, organization. And then, you know, that opened up. Like, you see, it just... It just you know, it just it continues to be God's journey, not mine. It's, it was God's plan, and He had His fingers in it the entire time. <laughs> he was in the cook. He was in the kitchen cooking the entire time. <laughs> so this is what the book is: is is to show that that a calling isn't just like you know. One day I woke up, and you know, Jesus just said, you know, I want you to be a priest. No, I think the calling goes back much further. He knew about me before I was even born, probably before my parents were born. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. Uh, certain circumstances that sort of allowed, you know, whatever. And like, you know, like, you know, my mother lost a child, you know, the first child, you know. And uh, so I was actually, I would have been the second born, but then I ended up being the first born. And, you know, initially my name when I was born was Anthony. My name was Anthony uh, Andreas. And then, uh, and it was actually announced in the Montreal Gazette as um, Anthony Andreas, baby boy born, blah, 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 you know. And then a week later, they decided to change the name Plato. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know, so I would have been, so I would have been, you know, Archbishop Anthony Andrea, mm-hmm. um, Archbishop Plato. So why that was, I don't know why. <laughs> so you know, the, why why these changes, why these things occurred, there was no reason for it. But you know, when I started going back and looking at some of these things and talking to my parents as to why the change was made and, and this and that, and there were some historical things where like. You know, Plato actually is a Greek saint, and uh, so um, also you know, as a Greek philosopher, it had that name seems to hold a lot more authority, in you know, especially in the in the academia, you know, world. And so um, who knows why? Um, but it's just the way um, things all work out. That's what the whole the whole book is to show that that the the calling starts far back. It could have been even as far back as when Christ was on the cross and he says he knew everybody. His sins were forgiven. People from the past forgiven the sins of the present, and even forgiven the sins from the future for things that haven't even been done yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, he he knew us. He knew each and every one of us. And we were all born for a certain purpose. We were born for this time, which could be the end times. We were born for a certain reason, for a certain time frame. That there's a divine plan. Although we have free will, but I think you know, there's a lot of hand plays play its part. Maybe I wouldn't have been a paranormal investigator if my parents married Australia and I was even a bishop down there, maybe not, yeah, or yeah. in Brazil or whatever. But for some reason, Canada, and then of course from Canada, met certain people, certain people got me this, and then I'm getting calls. And then, not that I'm not involved in things in the world, because trust me, I'm involved. I get calls from all over the world, every continent. Um, but it just seems that this is what he bought. Okay. Of course, if marrying a certain woman who supports what I do, because there's those people I know that oh, I don't want to get involved with that. There's a woman who supports me, um, and you know, and I get that full support for the paranormal. And of course, the people that I've met here in Canada 
Guadalajara 19, you know, Sister Kia, again, you know, is from Canada. You know, would I, would I have met her in Brazil? Would I have met her? No, obviously not. So, you know, I, I, it was all part of the divine plan. It's the little things, when you put it all together, it, it basically says, God, go ahead and hand it this. That's the calling. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, both of those sound. That's my perspective. Uh, <laughs> both of those sound really uh, fascinating. Yeah. I can't wait to read them. So you'll have to keep me posted. All right. I will. I will. All right. Well, where can my audience uh, find and connect with you? Uh, they can just go find me on Facebook. You know, um, just Plato Angelakis. Um, I've got about four pages. There's Archbishop Plato. There's um, I've got uh, several places. You- just, just uh, you can you can also Google if you go to just go to Google and put Plato Angelakis, you get about eight nine pages of stuff, pictures, uh, other podcasts that have been done, and, uh, and probably Facebook contacts and whatnot. So um, again, I have a cell phone. I keep it with me twenty four seven, and uh, people can reach out to me through Messenger, through Facebook, ask questions. Uh, if they need help, I can try to. See if you can find someone in your local area that can come help you out. And um, yeah, and if there's any anybody has any questions that they want me to talk about, maybe on your on another show with you or anybody else, so soon let me know. All right. Well, we can get to focus on maybe one topic as opposed to kind of you know because there's so much to talk yes. about. Yes, we could be here all day. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. No, it's it's a really expansive uh, topic. Uh, but. All right. Well, that's wonderful. I will link to um, any of that in the show notes so that people can find it easily. Um, I have only one final question for you today. What is a a final thought or message or or some words of wisdom you would like to leave with my listeners? You know, um, I I, I want people to to show gratitude. I want people to be kind, take care of yourself and take care of others. You know, uh, I, I just don't think there's enough of that, especially now with the COVID and everything. I think we've, we've, we've really strayed. You know, we were just worried about our money, worried about our jobs, worried about things. And I think some of the, the COVID has, has um, a pandemic, world pandemic has brought some of us together, but maybe separated others. And so I think it's just, I think it's time to bring some positiveness in the world. And I think we can really put a dent in, put a real big dent into it, into this evil by being kind and having some gratitude for the things you have um, and the things that you've already given. It's very contagious, you know, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave with a, with a, with a quick phrase, a little, uh, something that um, Mother Teresa from Calcutta, who's a saint now, um, so had asked her, I don't, I, I don't know if I can do what you do. I don't know if I can, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can help the world. And her response was, you don't have to help the world just help one person. So you know, take that with you. And if you don't want, you know, six, seven million people on the planet, if each one of us decided to help even one person, be kind and help one person, then that's 12 billion help. Uh, so we've, we've just doubled it. So uh, that's all I can leave. Uh, you know, like, be kind. Be kind and take care of each other. You don't know what the other person is going through. Uh, you don't walk in their shoes. We've all had a low low period, especially during this pandemic. We've had a high period. Just uh, you know, pass it forward. Yeah. Be thankful and pass it forward. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for everything. I, I learned quite a bit today. Oh, so um, it was really nice to have you on the show. Well, so have I. So have, so have I. I'm always learning. So so is everybody else. And I appreciate you and having me on. And I uh, hope to we can uh, have more chats in the future. 
that is a wrap for today and a wrap for this two-part episode and an almost wrap on the entire season. Are you so excited for the season finale and conclusion? So am I. What, oh, what am I going to say? You will just have to keep your eyeballs peeled for that notification come Friday to find out. Not my usual main episode posting day, but had to get it all in there this week. I got packing shenanigans to get into, remember? I want to thank Plato once again for coming on the show. Never in a million years did I think I would be interviewing an actual exorcist. The conversation series in general kind of took on a mind of its own this year, and I am loving it, you guys. I am so thrilled and grateful. I cannot wait to see what next season brings. If you are new here or just haven't yet, follow the show on all of the socials at ParanormGirlPod. Find the new merch and stay up to date with all of the episodes at ParanormGirlPod.com. And rating and reviewing on any of the listening platforms is literally one of the best ways you can support the show and help me grow it into something really special. So thank you so much to those of you who have already done so. That's it for now. Meet you back here Friday. Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.